Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Successful Life Podcast is a space where you can hear stories from badass entrepreneurs and influencers that collectively have millions of listeners and followers. You get to hear their backstories and where they are currently. We discuss how precious your life is and crucial it is to live with a purpose and die knowing the person looking in the mirror today. This is the successful life. Corey Barrier, yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn, apply it to your life. It's your turn to live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Successful Life Podcast. Please go follow us on Instagram at Successful Life Podcast and on YouTube. Uh, you can also go follow me at Corey Barrier. I'm your host. And today's episode is with Cole Hatter, which, dude, I got to tell you, his story was pretty amazing. I didn't know all of the things that Cole has been through to get to where he is now. But more importantly, um, dude, Thrive, his first virtual Thrive event, he's the founder of Thrive, is going to be um, this coming weekend. So we're talking about. The speaker lineup, guys, talking to Eric Thomas, Cole Hatter, Dan Fleischman, Cindy Eckert, uh, Tarek from the Flip and Flop show, I think it is, Ty Lopez, Billy Jean, Tom Billiou, Joel Marion, Cody Sperber, uh, Jim Quick, Sonia Hatter, Brad Lee, Jen Gottlieb, um, Bedros Koulian, David Meltzer, Ryan Stuman, Anthony Morrison, Pete Vargas, Carlos Reyes. I mean, guys, come on. For $149, you will never find this many people in the same spot. So attend Thrive.com. Go get your tickets. It is next weekend. And this is Saturday when I'm putting this out, Saturday uh, the 10th. So it starts on Friday the 16th. Go get your tickets now. You're never going to find that many people for 149 bucks. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please share it. Please like it. Please let me know if you know somebody that you would like to hear on the podcast. So, thanks so much for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with Cole Hatter. What's up, Cole? What's up, Corey? How are you doing, bro? I'm doing pretty good, my man. Cole is the founder of Thrive, as you can see on his shirt, whenever this goes on YouTube. Uh, and also, he's an Arte Syndicate brother. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, I'm really good when it comes to sales. But this guy's taught me quite a bit about different things in sales, just because I've paid attention to his stuff he puts out. And I um, am a part of the the um, the Academy, the 100 Million Academy. and I went through, he's literally the only person that I watched all the sections on uh, with, yeah, uh, in the academy. And, and you know, it was, uh, it was amazing. So I really appreciate that, Cole. Well, thank you, bro. I'm glad I could help. It's funny, I actually recorded that content right here in this room. So uh, maybe I've still got some of that energy floating around. <laughs> I'm sure you might find it somewhere. So, dude, what... Um, so look, I, I understand that you are getting ready to your part. You've partnered up, right, with Dan. Yeah. Is that right? Tell, how about you tell me what you're doing? 
<laughs> sure. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go a little history here. I started this event called Thrive Make Money Matter in 2015. Um, and it really, it's, it's an entrepreneurial conference and we, we did very well. We actually had Inc., Forbes, Huffington Post, and Entrepreneur.com all say it's the number one must-attend event for entrepreneurs on the planet. So we, we built a great reputation and we did that because uh, the content's incredible, the speakers are incredible, and it's not a pitch fest. We're like the only event out there that doesn't just sell you a bunch of crap the whole weekend. So we got a big reputation quickly. The slogan, Make Money Matter, comes from an experience I had living in Mexico as a missionary. Um, and there's a lot of backstory there, but the brief version is I've had two seasons of entrepreneurship. Got started in 2005, did very well, lost everything 2008 and 9, like a lot of people did. 2010, moved to Mexico, lived there full-time, became a missionary, moved back to America 2011, restarted my businesses again, and then had phenomenal success, and here I am today. And so in that window of trying to figure things out, there I am living in Mexico, and I actually started an orphanage down there uh, that we still have to this day. We have 26 kids at the orphanage right now today, and uh, I was feeding them with what little bit of savings I had left from the good old days when I was making big money. Like, Again, I made big, big money 2005 through eight and then lost everything, still had some cash, obviously, uh, so moved down to Mexico and was living off my savings. And so when I realized, holy cow, not only am I not gonna be able to feed myself anymore, but I'm not gonna be able to take care of my kids. I need to start making money right now. I gotta go back to America and start my businesses again, but this time for different reasons, not just to make money, but to make the money matter. I got to make enough money to take care of these kids. And so that's where it all started in 2011 is I started my real estate investment business and a few of the other uh, businesses that, that I created in that 2011 through 14 window. Um, and, that, and, and was doing great financially. I was, I was making more money than I ever had in my life. And I started sharing that theme, uh, Corey, with some of my other friends that have podcasts. Long story short, uh, I, I, I'm talking about it publicly. I'm getting hit up through social media. People that are like, man, I heard you on so-and-so's podcast talk about how you're using your businesses to fund your, your orphanage in Mexico. How in the heck do you do that? Like, teach me how to do that to my business. So I told my wife, hey, screw it. There's all these people that want to learn this. Let's do like a one-off, one-time event. Let's rent a hotel, see what speakers we can get. And for, throughout the course of the week, and just teach these people how to do this. So we ended up throwing it together. And for that first year, we had some of the craziest speakers ever. We had Gary Vaynerchuk, Robert Hershevek from Shark Tank, like just badass big name speakers. And it was a phenomenal success. We ended up with 444, I'll never forget all fours, 444 attendees for our very first event, which wasn't, wasn't bad, all things considered, but I thought we were gonna you know, do more. So, but still, it was, it, was, it was a lot of people showed up and it was a phenomenal success. And so my wife and I were like, geesh, Maybe we should just make this an annual event. So that's what Thrive has been since that first year, 2015 through now. And, you know, everyone listening to this is obviously very aware of coronavirus. I can't host an event of 2,000 attendees in person right now. And we don't know when we will. Uh, we've continued to follow up with the hotels. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people I have to listen to. So there are federal guidelines. There are state guidelines. There are city guidelines. And then there's the actual hotel itself the rules they make like around social distancing practice and stuff. So we were going to do our last event at the MGM in Las Vegas, Nevada. Well, I got to see what the federal guidelines are, what the governor of Nevada says, what the, what the mayor of Vegas says and what the MGM resort itself says. So it's super confusing and super frustrating. So I finally said, screw it. I'm done sitting around on my hands waiting for the event. Cause Corey, the event was scheduled to happen May 1st, 2nd and 3rd. That was in the middle of the entire global shutdown. So we, we didn't cancel it. We postponed it until September. Well, by July, I realized that was never going to happen. Then we moved it to November. Well, by August, I realized that was never going to happen. So finally, we've decided to go virtual. And this is the longest answer to your question. Um, since we're doing something we've never done before, we're like, screw it. Let's do something else we've never done before and partner with Dan and the 100 mil group. Uh, because between Dan and I, uh, we've hosted some of the biggest, best, most incredible events for entrepreneurs ever. And so uh, it's still going to be called Thrive Make Money Matter, powered by the 100 Mill Academy. And uh, it's going to be fully virtual. We're still building a stage out. We're going to have most of our speakers fly in. But instead of teaching to a live audience, they're going to be teaching to cameras and screens. And then that's going to be shared with the rest of the world. And so 
Uh, we're pretty excited about it. We, we know we're going to have thousands and thousands of people show up just between our network. And so uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. And so it's, it's a whole new partnership and a whole new format. And then once finally we can do live events again, uh, we'll bring Thrive in person back. This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Well, that was a lot. So, all right. So I'm going to go back to the missionary thing in a second, because I yep. want to find out what, I, I guess I look at it for obviously uh, from my standpoint and it would, it would, there would almost have to be an act of God to come down. Literally God probably would have to come down and say, this is what you need to do. That's not exactly true. But it, my point is, is that it would take a lot for me to have to make that decision. I think. Yeah. Um, and, and I suppose, it, you know, at the end of the day, it wouldn't be our decision, right? It would be who, whatever you believe, God or universe or whatever that may be. Um, but before I forget, so, so you're, okay, so the, the, the virtual event, and normally you have, let's just say for round numbers, 450 people show up at the live event, right? Uh, we have 2,000 people show up at the Thrive. I'm sorry. It was your first one was 400. Oh, yeah. For, first one was 450. Okay. Now, right. now we do about 2000 every year and that's, that's, that's as big. We could get a bigger venue and keep, but we like that. We like that number that size. What do you anticipate now that you've linked up with Dan and combining your two networks and going virtual, which is going to make it, I think I'm guessing more cost effective for the, for the consumer. Yeah. But you're also going to have to have, you know, four times as many people, I'm guessing. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, we'll have we'll have ten thousand or more. Okay, that's great. Yeah, yep. that, yeah. Well, and and I assume you probably have to have that to make up for the the lost of the of the live person. In other words, does that make? Yeah, you, that's that's a whole nother conversation. So okay, uh, you know, we we lost I don't know a few hundred grand. Luckily, uh, when it comes to venues and so when you put on an event the size of Thrive, I'm not just renting the room from the MGM. I have security companies that are third party. I have my AV company. I, I outsource. I don't go with the hotels. I, I bring in a professional company. Um, we have like so many uh, uh, caterers, vendors, um, performers. So, so there's so many different businesses that I do business with. And almost all of them gave us a credit, which is great. But at the same time, I'd rather just have my money back. I can't go buy groceries with credits at the MGM. But as far as it being a quote unquote loss, as long as I still use all those same vendors, then they're gonna fully recognize my credit. The only thing that was a true loss was the revenue or the advertising budget that we spent all the ads for that, you know, are just, Facebook's not gonna give me my money back, right? And so, so it's gonna be a few hundred grand we will have lost when everything is said and done, but you know, it is what it is. It's gonna be a tax write-off and um, I just, I could be a victim and cry about it and, and you know, be well with me or, or just, adapt and move on so we're adapting and we're moving on we're going to do this virtual event it's it's going to be freaking incredible yeah i'm sure no i i have no doubt that it will be incredible so yeah. um I, I won't name the actual hotel but uh it's ironic that you mentioned that about, about you know M, the mgm brand which own they own you know i don't even know how many hotels in las vegas but it's a bunch but one of their brands we just checked out of there we went uh to go see bradley and <laughs> they charge me a smoking charge, a $500 smoking charge. And I'm like, I, I don't even smoke. Like I'll have a cigar every now and then, but like, I, I was just really put off by that. And I called to ask him about it and they weren't, they were just they were pretty rude about it. I was shocked. I was shocked. What, who was this? It was one of the, I'm not, I won't name the name, but it's one of the, one of the MGM uh, hotels. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. I was, I just, I, and I, I have to wonder, like, you know, uh, I don't drink, uh, and, and I haven't drank for eleven years. And the reason I know that's because there's a reason why I stopped drinking. Um, right. And so I asked him to take the stuff out of the 
mini bar and it really upset them that I asked them to take the alcohol out of the mini bar. Um, yeah. which is just odd to me. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, the reason it was on my mind about the difference in your live event and the virtual event is because I was uh, talking about how someone else uh, kind of in our space had done very similar, uh, a similar thing to that. Well, I guess everybody in our space is doing a very similar thing to that kind of at this point. Um, but, I was, but, but I was explaining that to my chiropractor and how it would work uh, as far as the ticket sales. I know what the normal cost would have been and now, and I also know how many people would have showed up. So that's the reason that was fresh on my mind when you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so, all right, tell me about, <laughs> tell me what made you make the decision to move to Mexico. Yeah, so uh, more, again, more backstory there, but um, I love Mexico. I live in Orange County, California, so I, I'm two hours from the Mexican border. So a lot of my childhood uh, would be weekend surf trips down to, you know, Rosarito or whatever. And, and I just, I don't know what it is about uh, the Mexican culture, but I love it. Even, even once I became like a young adult, like 18 to 25, going down to Cabo and stuff, um, which is obviously a much bigger trip than just driving down past the border. But still, I just, I love Mexico. And so that's always been there. Uh, I was raised in a, in a faith-based family and I watched my parents uh, do short-term like missions trips with our church of of going internationally or even locally here of working with the homeless and stuff. So, so that those two things, my love for Mexico and me knowing that giving back was a part of life were just fundamentally like in my DNA. Okay. Fast forward. Uh, I had a, a couple of accidents where I lost a couple of friends, definitely changed my life, changed my career, changed my everything. And I was in this place of having swept those emotional, that, that emotional carnage under the rug, but not really dealing with it. And uh, both of the accidents where I lost my friends were in 2004. So fast forward to 2008, I'm now losing everything in the recession. Uh, I was dating a, an incredible woman at the time who I ended up marrying to my wife right now, by the way. Uh, she, this was back when she was my girlfriend. And she ends up dumping me because she can tell like, I'm not emotionally available. I'm still dealing with the loss of these people. And so she basically was like, listen, you're great. We weren't fighting. I didn't cheat on her. There's nothing wrong. She was like, you're great but you, you, you can't love me like I need to be loved. Like you've got this stuff, so I'm gonna break up with you. And I remember just having this reality check of being like, dude, like I'm going to carry this chip on my shoulder the rest of my life. I'll never be fully healed or whatever it is. I need to deal with this. And, and for me, I just knew, my intuition said, it's not a matter of going to a therapist. My mom is, is a, a psychologist. So after I went through these accidents and these losses, you know, it wasn't a choice. I was forced to go through therapy and all that. So it's like, and by the way, I'm not knocking therapists. They're great. But I knew that going to do more therapy wasn't going to be the answer. I knew that just drinking a bunch of alcohol or taking pills wasn't going to be the answer. I knew that what I needed was a complete life reset. And so I was like, my business is failing. My girlfriend just dumped me. At the time, I was 25. So it's like, I don't have kids. I don't have really any responsibilities. Screw it. I'm going to move to Mexico and just be a missionary. Like, why not? So I did it, and uh, the, the time that I spent down there was exactly what I needed. It wasn't one Bible verse or one conversation or one prayer. It was every single day of just waking up with nothing other but serving. I, I shut my businesses down in America, turned off my cell phone, told my family goodbye, and said, I'm leaving, and literally went into a black hole. You couldn't get a hold of me. I would just use the, uh, the phone at the nonprofit organization where I worked. I would just use that phone to call home to check on my family every now and then. But I was gone, like in the wilderness, disappeared, sabbatical type thing. And my only job every single day was to give back to that community. The nonprofit that I worked for was building houses for homeless families. And my job was to basically be a construction worker. I would show up to these job sites and it would take us two days to build them a 16 by 20 foot it's smaller than your garages, but for them, it's the nicest house on the street. And so literally six days a week, I'd be there uh, building a house for a homeless family, doing an outreach like ministry project with the poor in the, in the local community or at my orphanage with my kids. I, I ended up starting the orphanage down there accidentally. Um, it's not what I went there for, but, but you know, that's what I did. And literally nine straight months of doing nothing other than serving others finally gave me the complete healing. I'll always miss my friends that I ended up losing. Um, like there'll never be a day where I don't care that they've died, but I got to the point where I, I was ready to move forward. So I came back to America 10 months later, 
that girl that had dumped me, I asked her to marry me. Luckily, she said yes. I didn't even know she had a new boyfriend. This was my ex-girlfriend, right? I didn't even know she started dating someone new. I've been gone 10 months. I didn't care. I got a wedding ring and I asked her to marry me. She said yes. She said heck yes, actually. And she's still my wife to this day. And so that was really it, bro. I was just emotionally still dealing with a lot of devastation. And, you know, for the audience that's listening to this right now, they're like, okay, cool, Cole. I can't freaking move to Mexico. And so for any of you that are dealing with stuff that, you know, you're through the, the worst of it. Maybe you've gone through some therapy, you've got some help or whatever, but you know that it's still impacting your life. That's where I was. I was functional. I was running a business. I had friendships. I had a girlfriend. Like my life had moved on, but I was still scarred to the point where I didn't want to fully let my girlfriend in emotionally because a part of me thought she may die too. And I was like, everyone I love and care about is dying. So I don't want to have any more people that I love and care about other than the ones that are already in my life, like mom, dad, sisters, et cetera. So, you know, I always kept her at an arm's distance for me. And so for any of you listening to this that are in that position where like, you got a job, you've got a life, but you just know that this thing, maybe it was a loss of a loved one. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was something, you know, or something that someone did to you that was wrong and you're carrying it. If you, you know, obviously therapy is a place to start, but if you're where I was, where you've gone as far as you can, dude, do something to completely change your environment. Why I got better wasn't just the fact that I was giving back, although that's probably the biggest reason. It was that I never saw my mom, my dad, anybody. It was all new. I, I didn't go to the same Starbucks I always went to. I didn't jog around the same lake. Like literally everything in my life, bro, everything was different. And for my brain, that's what gave myself the, the place or whatever you'd say. It's what put me in the state of mind of being able to finally deal with with, you know, these, I don't want to call them demons, but these, these experiences that I had had that were, were still hindering me. So, so that's what I would try you guys. If you're listening to this and you're in that position, get out there and, and just completely reset your environment as best you can. That's interesting that, that you bring that up because, you know, I, I, uh, during, I was supposed to go down and do my first ayahuasca journey, um, right before this stuff happened. And I went, down after uh, the first week they let people back and, and and the way you described that mine was only a three-day experience but the way you described that was very similar to how I was feeling in I guess it was um April, May, maybe it was in May I can't remember May or June um and and it was very much so just fed up with kind of all the stuff that had been going on in my personal life with the being trapped in the house for, you know, X number of time. It just, I just felt like, I just felt like there was, I, I needed a release. And, and so that's kind of what I got. It wasn't through serving, but it was just through disconnecting entirely. And there's something to be said for, you know, unplugging the phone and the television and the computer for a day or two, or, uh -huh. I mean, there's, there's something extremely, uh, th there's something about that that makes me extremely anxious, but it also is very liberating um, yeah. to be able to accomplish that. And I, and, and it, you say, you know, people maybe think, well, to, what do you mean to be able to accomplish that? Well, guess what? You live with that thing in your hand, almost 20, if you're not sleeping, it's pretty much in your hand. And, and to be able to relinquish that for 24 to 48 hours is really nice. Yeah. Nice, nice uh, break. And I think everybody oh. should try that. Yeah. And totally. And, you know, for me, I, I would, I, I don't, you know, the, the, the length of time I was down there was a huge part of what happened, but it doesn't have to be, you know, I, I imagine that if someone's intentional about setting aside space, like you just described that they can start to work through a lot of stuff. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and intentions, and attention's a big thing. I mean, if you would have went down to Mexico with anything other than the intention of, what you went for, it probably would not have gone as well as it did. Totally. Right. Totally. Um, so what, I mean, so when you, when you say that you were working on a construction site, you were working for a nonprofit, I imagine that based on the success that you've had from 2005 to 2008, when everything, you know, blew up, that had, you had to have a little bit of ego in going into that. And so I look at the, I step back for a moment and I'm thinking like, okay, you've been super successful. There's, there's the natural, a bit, there's always a, a natural uh, occurrence of, of some ego 
or whatever it is you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But for you to completely smash that for 10 months had to be, I had to be somewhat of a, I had to be a massive shock. Yeah. It's funny you mention this because no one's ever asked me about that. And I think that that was one of the coolest experiences when I, when I have a beer with you next and we talk in detail about all of the crazy experiences I had in those months down in Mexico, people are like, dude, you got to write a book about your Mexico experience, right? Cause it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, Dude, I, I, I can't even tell you the crazy stuff that happened while I was down there of injuries and going to the hospital and just all this stuff. So bottom line is um, that was probably for me one of the biggest growth periods. I got down there and the very first job they gave me was to clean the tool van. So this nonprofit, again, it's based in Mexico and it builds these little houses for these families and they probably have 20 15 passenger vans, like those big old people moving vans. But out of the 20, probably five or six of them are just shells. They have no chairs in them other than a driver's seat and a passenger seat. And they get loaded up with all the tools that we use to build these houses. And it takes a lot of tools to build a house. I mean, we're talking, it takes three vans to go to each job site. And these are the dirtiest vans you've ever seen in your life. And so it took me an entire week to unload one van at a time with all these tools and to go through it. And I made them look like the day they rolled off of their dealership, whenever that was. And then the very next week, they were all just as dirty as they were before. And I realized that I'd made a mistake that they just wanted me to basically give them a quick rinse down and get the trash out. But instead, I gave them a full-blown detail. And I can remember, and this is with all respect you know, to all the people out there, because you can't even sneeze nowadays without defending someone. Literally, you sneeze, they're like, oh, you're going to give us coronavirus, right? So it's like, you literally can't sneeze without offending people. So if any of you out there listening to this are, are dickheads, then press, you know, turn the volume off for the next 50 seconds. But here I was, an American, uh, having made a lot of money. Um, I had never made, at that point in my career, I'd never made a million dollars in a year. Our business was, but my dad was my 50-50 business partner. So I was bringing home from like 21 to 24, like a half a million dollars a year. So for like an early 20s, I was balling. I had my Escalade, like, <laughs> What do, what do you do when you're 23 years old making, you know, $50,000 a month? You spend it all because you're an idiot. And that's what I was doing. I had a wakeboard boat. I had an Escalade on 24s with five TVs in it. I was just blowing all the cash. Obviously, I got rid of all of that, moved to Mexico. And I can remember distinctly thinking, this is crazy that here I am, this American businessman who's been running a million-dollar business, who's been living in a beach house on the sand that I was renting, but it was still a $5 million house I rented for myself in my early 20s. And by the way, I'm not saying any of this to brag, you guys, this is just to create the context. I've got this Escalade, I've got this wakeboard boat, I've got all this stuff. And now I am doing this crappy job of cleaning out these vans. I'm the lowest on the the totem pole, like I'm the bitch of the organization now. And I'm working for these Mexican missionaries. It's not like I went to work for Warren Buffett. I'm working for these Mexican missionaries. And it's like, and I'm their bitch, right? And, and just six months earlier, I was a boss. I was on my job sites telling everybody, you know, because I was fixing and flipping houses. So telling everybody what to do. And, and I went from being the most important person, the CEO of my company, which was a million dollar business in America, to the least important person in a Christian nonprofit organization in Mexico where I'm now taking orders from these Mexican people. And again, I love Mexican people. That's not to say like, you know, being taking orders from Mexicans is wrong, but, and I can remember vividly remembering as I'm detailing those vans, like six months ago when I was rolling to a job site in my Escalade and like, you know, living in my Newport house, if you would have told me I'd be living in the conditions I was living in in Mexico, which was disgusting. And this would be my job. I would have laughed in your face but I embraced it, bro. It was so crazy to go from being the boss to being the bitch and to, to just have to take orders. Like, again, not to sound arrogant, but I didn't even wash my own cars in America. I'd take it to the car wash, right? I had this monthly subscription where I'd pay like 50 bucks a month for unlimited washes. I'd sit on the leather couch. They had a little restaurant. I'd order a breakfast burrito. I'd have my laptop on my lap. I'd bang out some emails for 45 minutes and then my car was done. That was like my routine. I wouldn't even wash my own car. Now I'm in Mexico washing these vans. And so, I, again, I, I, that answer was way too long to your question, but I've never really talked about that. No one's ever asked. But to your point, yeah, checking the ego, bro, it was, it was an insane transition 
to go from like being at the top of my world in the sense that I owned and started my own business. I asked my dad to be my partner, but it was my company I started to now being like the newest, lowest ranking guy in the whole camp in, in, a, in an instant, a second I showed up. And, and it was actually really cool to be humbled like that. So what do you remember looking, you know, looking, you know, through your own eyes at that right when you first got to Mexico and, or maybe, maybe even a month later or so and looking and saying, who, who is that guy six months ago? And do I even like that guy? Is that the guy that I really want to be? Or is this the guy that I really want to be? Or I just really want to be a good person and make a ton of money. Yeah, so uh, there was a lot of that. I think that that was probably the majority of it. And when I say, you know, is this a guy I wanted to be? You know, I, I, I made money and I was a stupid 20-something-year-old. You know, I, I don't judge myself too badly for that because you give a 20-year-old the type of money I was making and we're probably all going to act the same. But I luckily was raised with great parents and I still had my moral compass. So even in my arrogant early 20s where I'm blowing 50 grand a month on stupid stuff, I was still faithful to my girlfriend. I'm not out there doing drugs and parting my face off. I'm not harming humans. So I was still trying to live a good life ethically, morally, and with integrity. I just frivolously spent my money like an idiot. So sure. when I looked sure. back on, do I want to be this guy? It wasn't evaluating a lot of character flaws, although I have plenty. I am in no means perfect. It was really evaluating what I wanted to do for a career. Like, do I want to be this money hungry capitalist or do I want to be a missionary who lives off the support of others, but my entire existence is to give back and support communities. And I decided to do something right in the middle. I wanted to go back to America, make millions of dollars, uh, but not for the reasons that I did the first time. The first time, the only reason I made money was to spend it. The second time, like I said earlier in this uh, interview, I wanted to make money, but now make it matter. And so instead of going back to America and asking people like yourself, Corey, who have money to support me, hey, Corey, could you ever send like 300 bucks a month to me so that I can live here full time and you know, there's no money in an orphanage. So I need you to help me feed my kids. And like, instead of that, I was like, I'm just going to get rich. And went off to, and then my business started making millions and millions of dollars a year. And, um, and so I had more than enough to live a comfortable life, but then give back. And so that was really what the evaluation was. Wasn't like, Hey, do I still want to be this, you know, douchebag of a human? It was more about like, Hey, do I really want to just try to make more money to buy a bigger house, to have nicer cars, to move into a new neighborhood, to then realize that someone else has even bigger houses, bigger car, you know, and just play that chasing, you know, keeping up with the Joneses game the rest of my life? Or do I want to work hard, have ambition financially, but for totally new reasons why I need the money? And that's what I decided to do. And it's working out. And then again, that was the genesis of what eventually became Thrive was telling all these business owners, I meet so many people that are out there that are like, Cole, I love my company. I've done well. I've made millions. I'm at the top of the world in my space. But I feel like this hole, this longing for more, there's got to be more than just making an you know, another 10% each month. There's got to be more than moving into a larger office space. And when people can realize that connecting their business to a purpose and creating a for-purpose business can allow them to use their God-given gifts to run companies and make money, but simultaneously be impacting the world, uh, for a lot of people, man, it helps them find complete fulfillment in businesses that they were losing their passion in. And so it, it's kind of interesting. And, and again, it happened totally organically. So so that was kind of the evaluation to your question that, that I did down there was, what do I want to do professionally the rest of my life? And for now, it's make millions of dollars in my businesses, you know, live a great life, but doing it to create an impact and to leave a legacy. Sure. Uh, yeah, that, that great answer. Uh, yeah, that was a really good answer. Cole, so um, you mentioned something. Okay. How does it make you feel when you hear the guy that comes to you and he's like, dude, like I've made, you know, I've made all the money I want to make the, the scenario you just gave me. How good does that make you feel to know that person's right there at that spot to where, you know, they're getting ready to embark on su such a very different uh, and very, very fulfilling life than what they've been living because they've been living for, well, let me make as much money as possible all right, well, I bought everything I need, right? I bought everything I want. I'm running out of shit to do. Wait a minute. There's a guy over here, Cole, who seems like he's living a very, uh, such a like happy life. And this, this guy comes to you and he's like, I know I can, I, I know I want more. I just don't know what I want. I don't know how to get there. You know, how, 
exciting is it for you to hear that, knowing that person's getting ready to take a leap that's going to change their life forever? No, I love that. And what I think I love more is following up with that person six months later and hearing, hey, Cole, I came to Thrive and I learned the four-purpose business and I applied it. And, you know, it reminds me of this guy named Tommy. He came to the very, very first Thrive. Uh, he's still a part of our community here six years later. And he owned a pool company. Like they would install pools in the backyard and then had a staffing business for lifeguards. So public pools that needed lifeguards would contract Tommy's business to obviously staff those lifeguards, right? And so he was making great money, came to the first drive, saw what we did, was so moved by creating a four-purpose business. He went back to Houston, Texas, where he lived at the time, uh, converted his existing pool business into a four-purpose organization and changed his pricing by 5%. So he was still competitive, but he did increase his pricing. And he gave all of that price increase to a nonprofit local in Houston. And he started feeding 1,200 kids a day. And he's like, well, I would have never thought about this in a million years. And so that's what's really cool is that at that time, 1,200 kids a day, every day in Houston, Texas were eating because some random guy came to my random event out in the middle of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, heard us talk about for purpose. And this sounds exactly what I need. Took the initiative to, to do it on his own, to convert his business to for purpose. And now kids are eating because of it. And that's just one story. I could tell you hundreds of stories of people that have, taken an existing business or started their new business with a for purpose element and that just send me DMs and text messages. Bro, you have no idea how many times I get tagged on Instagram every month of people doing something like, you know, hey, we're here at the at the homeless place and, you know, we just bought all new furniture and all new this and all new that because of our business. You know, shout out to Cole and Sonia for Thrive of giving us the idea. That's what it's all about, bro. There are there are countless lives impacted in the world right now because of the thousands of entrepreneurs that have come to thrive and changed their business to for purpose. And uh, that number of people impacted is going to continue to grow exponentially forever. And that's the type of work that gets me excited. And those are the types of testimonials or, or you know, feedback I get from people that makes me the most happy. You know what? You said something super important there that I think people and, and anybody that's, that's listening, they know about me, obviously, and most likely they, they know about you. But one of the most important things that I think you just said there is when, you know, and I'm not around this circle of people necessarily anymore, but I, you know, I, when people complain about the price of your tickets, if they heard the story that you just explained, then I guess that price wouldn't seem, and, I, and for the audience, I have no idea how much the price of the tickets are, right? I just know that there are people that would bitch and complain about how expensive they were, no matter what the cost was, even if it was free they wouldn't, mm -hmm. they, there would be a complaint, right? I, w I hope that that maybe one of those people hears what you just said, because the, the it's a trickle down effect, right? And, and so yeah. those events have, like you said, you've touched millions and millions of lives probably that you'll never even know about really. Yep. That's yeah, that's totally. Amazing. Exactly. And that, that's, that's what I tell Sonia, man, because it's not always fun. Like we talked about with the coronavirus destroying our event, we're losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, right now, being in the event space has to be one of the most frustrating when it comes to these social distancing guidelines. And, you know, I'm not here to make any political statements. I have my very strong opinions on all of this, but it, 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 the facts are it, when you're in a event space, you know, public wedding organizers, like anybody that does get your business exists around people gathering schools, like colleges, all of us have been totally screwed up because of coronavirus. So there's a lot of times where my wife and I are like, dude, this is so stupid. But the only reason that we're even motivated to continue is because we're like, think about how many stories we actually know of how many thousands and hundreds of thousands or even millions of lives that have now been impacted. Think about how many we never even heard of that just didn't take the time to reach out to us to tell us what they're doing. And, you know, how, how could we ever stop? So it's just, you know, dealing with it and keeping pushing forward. But you know, that's, that's the real motivation behind what we do is, is what you just shared is it's just, that's, or, or what I'm sharing, I guess, together is, is just that feedback is why we keep doing it. You know, and I, th I think because, you know, I think it's important for people to hear, you know, stories like that, because, you know, it's, there's lots of times where, and I don't know, just use me, for example, you know, um, I closed, I'm not, not going to tell you the whole story. Everybody's heard the story about 50 times by now. Um, but I, I closed my hormone clinic back in 2018 and it was devastating. I pretty much lost everything. And 
you know, I, I took such a hit on my personally and psychologically. Um, I just didn't, it's a long story, but essentially, you know, it was hard for me to start to charge for my coaching business. I had a, when, you know, two years ago when I started this, my coaching business, I, had, I struggled with that because I took such a kick in the teeth with, or what felt like a kick in the teeth, which in reality, it was a blessing, as we all know that, you know, the worst things seem to turn out to be the best things. Um, shit, Cole, I don't even know where I was going with that. I really did have a good point, but somewhere in there, I lost it. I'm sure it was good. But yeah, oh, I mean, we, all, we all go through our struggles. Yeah, it was the fact that people would, pe- uh, I, would I would have people question why I had to charge what I, what I charged for coaching. And, and if I don't charge you what I charge you for coaching, it doesn't allow me to do things like what you're talking about. Right. You, you know, yeah, I, mean, I mean, that's a question everyone asks, you know, why don't you let people come to, to thrive for free? Why don't you just do that? You know, I think that mentality is cancerous uh, because where do you stop? Well, then why don't doctors work for free? They, they know how to save your life. And if you don't have medical insurance or you can't afford a procedure, you're going to die. So, so why don't these doctors work for free? Right. Why don't, why don't police officers work for free? If they're just out there helping people, why don't firefighters work for free? I mean, if they're going to keep communities safe. And, and so, so at some point, people need to realize we all make a living. And so the fact that what you share with people is already in your head, and you might not have any cogs in the sense that you're not selling them a physical product, your time is valuable, and they're not paying. You know what? This is funny. I, I, this reminds me of, I don't even know what you'd call this, not a poem or whatever, but I, I saw this on the internet. Um, there's this old, uh, I forget if it's a submarine or some type of a ship or something, but there's this, there's this ship, let's call it a, a cruise ship. And it's got these huge diesel generator, you know, these hundred piston, 20,000 horsepower, big motors, and they couldn't get it to work. So they called this famous mechanic. This famous mechanic comes out there and he's investigating, he's touching things, he's looking around. He's only there for about an hour. And then finally at the very end, he takes out this little hammer out of his pocket. He barely taps the motor in one little spot he tells them to turn it on and it works perfectly and they're like holy cow what was that so then he sends them the bill and the bill is like fifty thousand dollars and then they're like are you kidding me you were only here for an hour you only just tapped the motor once with this little hammer fifty thousand dollars please justify yourself and he's like okay um five hundred dollars of that was for my time and tapping it the $49,500 of it was knowing where to tap. Think about that for a second, right? It, it was, the, the rest of it was knowing where to tap. It's his knowledge, is priceless. And you can't look at that guy that spent an hour of his time and barely even swung a hammer to fix the motor as that's all you got. In your case, coaching, they can't look at you as, well, you're just on the phone with me an hour a week or whatever your coaching you know, thing is. No, no, no. What you're paying for is all of your expertise, good and bad in business all the good you had in your hormone place and then getting your ass kicked by it in 2008. One of the biggest lessons I can help people with was me getting my ass kicked in my last business. You learn so much losing everything. And so I think that it's important for all of us out there that, you know, why do you pay a doctor? Because they spent 300 grand and 14 years of their life going to medical school. So, so you can't necessarily look at the product somebody is giving you. In your case, it's your time. You have to look at where your time is coming from and why it's valuable. And why do you think Warren Buffett every year auctions off a one hour lunch and it goes between two and $5 million every single year? Because those people realize Warren Buffett, you're not paying for a salad two to $5 million. You're paying to have uninterrupted access to his 70 year career, or even eight longer, eight. I think he said he got started when he was 13. So I guess that would make an 80 plus year career. That's what you're paying the millions of dollars for. And so I don't know if that helps you with, you objection blocking as you're enrolling or onboarding clients for your coaching. But it's like, listen, if anybody ever has a price problem, they're just focusing on the wrong thing, right? They're just focusing on, uh, this is only an hour. It's too expensive. It's like, no, 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 no. What you're actually getting is the hour of my time telling you out of my 30 year experience, what you need to know in your exact circumstance you're in right now. That's what you're paying for. Yeah, and, and, and you're, you're exactly right. You're a thousand percent right. And I think that boils down to also knowing your worth. You know, you have to know how much you're worth or 
nobody else is going to deem you worthy. Does that make sense? I don't know if that yep. actually made sense, but you understand what I'm saying. Uh, you know, if, if you, you know, um, you, you know, you can talk to somebody and you can tell if they believe what they're saying to you and if you of course can, and, or if you, or, or if whatever they're saying to you is, is a total lie. Right. Or, or it's, you know, and I say that because the coaching space is so filled with people that are, you know, that say X, Y, and Z, whatever. We won't get into all that because I think it's pointless. So Cole, what, um, so you guys have planned out your event. When is, um, when is your next event? Uh, the virtual event is October 16th, 17th and 18th. So, as of recording this, it's only 20 something days away. I don't know how quickly you get these out, but if somebody missed this, if you're listening to this late October, November, um, then you know that you've already missed our first virtual thrive. Uh, Dan and I are enjoying working together and uh, we've already said that, you know, if this event goes well, we would like to do another one. There's no guarantee we will. Um, I, I know for a fact that this, this one will go awesome. Uh, but there are certain key metrics that we want to see happen for us to do another. So if you're listening to this and it's after October 18th and you've missed Thrive and you really wanted to participate because it's badass, just go to attendthrive.com and we'll let you know. And then, of course, in 2021, uh, politicians permitting, we'll be doing our live event again uh, once they're done fighting like children in Washington um, and allow us to actually be around each other once again. Uh, we'll do a live thrive as soon as 2000 people are allowed in a room again. So, you know, I'm hoping it's 2021. I can't imagine there still being any type of social distancing guidelines in place in 2022. So sooner than later, we'll have our live events again. Yeah. I think we're going to see all this. Uh, I think we're going to see after November 4th, pretty good indication as to what. Oh, totally. Which yeah. I mean, there's a lot of us that, that believe, yeah. And when there's even been some slip ups, there was this one woman, you can catch it on online. She was a, a president of a teacher's union or something like that. And she literally said, uh, everything's closed until November 5th. And like the way that it came out, it was so obvious. And everyone's like, ah, like you just screwed up and everything we already know you accidentally verbalize right now you can deny it. And Everyone's acting like, oh, no, it's just a coincidence that we think the timelines of everything will be this. But, yeah, on both sides, both political parties in election years are very scandalous. And so, um, you know, outside of the science and all of this stuff, there's, there's a lot of political nonsense, again, equally on both sides right now that hopefully once the election's over, then we can just do what's best for our economy and best for people and not what's best for votes. Okay, so selfishly, I'm going to ask you one more thing. Drop a sales tip for the people that are listening because I want to hear a sales tip. And I've seen a bunch of your stuff. Just remember that. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> yeah. So here's one. Uh, this is a pretty simple one, but I'll just share it. So back to what we were, because it's just what we were just talking about with um, you know people saying, why don't you just coach for free? Or why doesn't a surgeon just do surgery on me for free? They already know how to do it. Why not just save my life? Uh, so the only time anyone ever pushes back on price, it's a value proposition. If I was hungry and I drove through uh, McDonald's and they wanted to charge me $45 for a hamburger, they would never earn my business. If they want to charge me $4 for a hamburger, okay, I'll buy it or whatever it is, right? So it wasn't that I had any doubt that the hamburger would taste a certain way or, or provide me some type of nutritional. I, actually, I don't know if there's any nutritional value in <laughs> McDonald's food, but you get the point. So so very rarely does anyone ever, listen to this for those of you that sell stuff, very rarely does anyone have any concerns or questions around what you're selling. It's what you're asking them to pay you for what you're selling. And to your point, there are people that want to come to Thrive for cheaper. And you know, when we first opened tickets, our cheapest ticket's 200 bucks. If, if someone can't borrow or find 200 bucks, then you just shouldn't be an entrepreneur, not to be you know, rude, but if, if finding $200 is too great of an obstacle for you, then running the company is going to be too big of an obstacle for you. So we, we do have tickets that are available for anyone who wants to come. Um, it's not like, you know, some of these other events where the cheapest tickets start at like 1500 bucks, right? But coming back to the point, anytime someone is challenging you, it's always about price. It doesn't matter what they say. Uh, if you're selling coaching and they tell, you know, let's just say you're selling your, you know, Corey, I don't know, a six month coaching package or whatever, however you package and price yourself. 
And they're like, oh, I'm busy. Oh, I'm this, I'm that. They know they're not busy. They know that if this was important and you let's just say you coach one hour a week, who couldn't wake up one day an hour early to create an extra hour to meet with you? There is literally never an excuse of I don't have the time. Uh, I've got a lot going on in my life. Anytime people start creating excuses like that, it's not the excuse they're giving you. It always comes back to price because I guarantee you, if you were to cut your coaching by 80%, whatever you were about to charge them, they would say, okay, and find the time. So anytime you're getting a lot of objections, 97.5% of the time, the objection they're giving you is actual crap. It's really just they don't want to pay what you're charging. And what that means is that you either A, are overpriced for your industry. Like for instance, McDonald's, do you think that they would want to sell hamburgers for 45 bucks? You bet they would want to, but no one would come because they would go across the street to the other fast food restaurant that's charging less. So if, if people are you know, giving you a lot of objections and it's almost always around price, it's either A, you just are overpriced and that's just all there is to it. And you need to, you need to come down on price or B, you haven't done a good enough job creating the value around what it is that you're selling. And so the pitch of describing of what it is that you're selling is so important. And so here's the last thing that I'll say on that. How do you make your pitch better? Sell the destination, not the vehicle. That's it. You have to sell the destination being the result. I don't want to tell people if I'm going to be their coach, you know, let's say it's flipped, Corey, and I'm selling you on me coaching you. Uh, although I don't do coaching. Let's pretend I did. Uh, I'm not going to tell you, hey, man, it's so convenient because we can do a Zoom call anywhere that you are in the world as long as you've got internet access, buddy. And it's also going to be good for you because I have 15 slots a week available. You pick the one that's best for your schedule. Like that's just selling the vehicle. And you're, those are details that are maybe important, but what I need to sell as a result, Corey, what I've done for people just like you is quadrupled your revenue by the end of the year while simultaneously helping you become a better father and a better husband. Because instead of you doing everything together, we're going to create a system dependent business that will run more effectively on SOP, standard operating procedures, so that you are actually more profitable, have higher revenue and more free time. It sounds too good to be true, but it's not. You right now, as Michael Gerber describes it, are a technician. I'm going to help you create the systems to graduate to become what's called an entrepreneur so you can be more profitable and have a higher quality of life. We're going to do that through weekly calls. And the good news is you have 15 time spots to pick the spot that works best for you. So I'm going to include those details, but those aren't my selling points. Don't sell the vehicle, sell the destination. What I'm selling you is the result. You're going to have a better life, more profitable, better husband, better father, how we get there, weekly calls, super easy to schedule anywhere you've got internet access. And when you start selling the destination, you're going to have way less pushback on price if your pricing is relatively fair for your product, service, or industry. So there's your tip, you guys. Sell the destination. Don't sell the vehicle. Make sure you're priced competitively, and uh, you're going to start closing at a much higher ratio. There you go. Cole, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you taking the time today to to come on and share with uh, my listeners. And uh, thank you so much, brother. I really, really appreciate it. Sure. Absolutely, man. I appreciate uh, you having me on. Sure. Where can people find you? Uh, so for me, just on Instagram, at Cole Hatter, one word, uh, at Cole Hatter. And then uh, for my Thrive event at attendthrive.com. It's www.attendthrive.com. And no matter what day or time it is, it'll, it'll either let you know about, yeah, it'll, it'll let you know about our upcoming event. So, you know, if, if you miss this first one, maybe there's another one. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, Cole, again, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it, brother. And uh, I'll let you know when this uh, drops. All right. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at CoreyBarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.